Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. This month on Womanica, we're highlighting women who led extraordinary lives of resistance. Whether fighting tyranny, oppression, sexism, racism, or reproductive control, these women created paths for change. Today's Womanican is a community organizer and child welfare advocate who was a leader of the women's movement in the 1970s. Though many stories of second-wave feminism center white women, Dorothy was there too, leading resistance rooted in community. Please welcome Dorothy Pittman Hughes. Dorothy Pittman Hughes was born in 1938. She was the third of six sisters born into a farming community called Charles Junction in Lumpkin, Georgia. Dorothy later wrote, I was fortunate to have been raised in a time and place where the village raised the children. If Dorothy was playing at a friend's house, for example, and it was time for dinner, someone fed her. If she needed discipline and her parents weren't there, other parental figures stepped up. She grew up going to a school that was one big church room where all the children from all the grades sat together. Dorothy learned to listen, to decide who she looked up to as a role model, and to discuss big ideas with her classmates. It was there, in the classroom, that Dorothy's personality took shape. But school wasn't Dorothy's only formative experience. In 1948, when she was just 10 years old, her father was badly beaten and left on the family's doorstep, presumably by members of the KKK. This, too, would shape Dorothy's perspective. Nine years later, when she was 19 years old, Dorothy moved to New York. She wanted to become a nightclub performer. To pay the bills, she took on day jobs. She was a salesperson, a laundress, and a house cleaner. Then Dorothy became a mother. She had trouble finding care for her daughter while she was working. She also noticed that the children in her neighborhood often stayed home during the day while their parents worked. The kids were cooking, cleaning, and taking care of the babies. So Dorothy shifted her life to serve her community. She started a drop-in daycare at her apartment and advocated for better housing conditions for working families. The tasks of my new career were daunting, she later wrote but I was very young and very creative. Soon the daycare center grew, and Dorothy moved it to a building on Manhattan's west side. It was the first co-ed and multiracial daycare center in New York City, and Dorothy wanted to expand the services she offered to the community. There was little job training in the area, the housing was poorly maintained, and Dorothy's neighbors faced racial discrimination and poverty. So the daycare center became a community center suited to address these needs. She created a network of community-owned resources that focused on housing and food assistance. Adults could go to the center to take classes and get job training. One February day in 1969, a young reporter from New York Magazine showed up at the daycare center. She saw firsthand just how much the center provided for the community. The reporter was Gloria Steinem. And that was the beginning of a lifelong friendship between Gloria and Dorothy. Years later in an interview, Gloria described Dorothy as a genius street organizer. I knew that Dorothy was absolutely fearless, she said. It was always clear that if she was running the revolution, you wanted to go to it. 
In the 1970s, both Dorothy and Gloria got involved in the women's movement. Because Dorothy had experience as a performer, she gave Gloria advice on public speaking and helped Gloria get over her stage fright. The two toured the country speaking about feminism, civil rights, and issues affecting working families. They needed publicity to get more people to their talks. So a photographer named Dan Wynn provided some for free. In 1971, Dorothy and Gloria stood in front of Dan's camera. They both wore turtlenecks and they both held their fists up, a symbol of resistance throughout the civil rights movement. You've probably seen this photograph. Today, it lives in the National Portrait Gallery. For many at the time, it represented a multiracial resistance to the oppressive status quo. Dorothy and Gloria went on to co-found Ms. Magazine and the Women's Action Alliance together. By the 1980s, Dorothy transitioned to being a business owner and entrepreneur. But even after she left the West Side, she still centered the needs of her community in everything she did. She wrote a book titled, Wake Up and Smell the Dollars, One Woman's Struggle Against Sexism, Classism, Racism, Gentrification, and the Empowerment Zone. The Empowerment Zone referred to a government program started by Bill Clinton in 1994. At the time, Dorothy was living in Harlem, where she ran a community-owned business supply store. She originally saw the Empowerment Zone as an opportunity for investment in community business. But she later realized that the program mostly benefited big chains and her own Harlem office supply store was displaced by a Staples. Her book was a roadmap for other people. In the preface, she wrote, I have written this book to show that economic empowerment is achievable for our people, and that, no matter how long it takes and what degree of hardship the struggle for it entails, it must be achieved. It is my hope that sharing my story and insights with you will quicken and ease the process for all of us. Dorothy now lives in Florida. She continues to do community work, especially with community gardens to feed people. She's 84 years old. All month, we're highlighting women of resistance. For more information, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.